I'm John Hendler, and this is Everyday People Extraordinary Lives. I mean, I'm still ambitious in terms of my writing and what I want to achieve, but I think I'm not trying as hard in terms of the language. I guess what I've learned is for readers, the story is paramount, and I still enjoy beautiful language, and I still love to have those sparkling metaphors in there or 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 just a beautiful sentence those are still important to me but the most important thing is the story that's j gabriel gates the author of fantasy horror and sci-fi books including the luck god series which features girl of hearts and mother of spades he has also authored the lamplighters the sleepwalkers and blood zero sky Gates serves as executive director of the Frank Center for the Arts in Marshall, Michigan, and he is also a member of the Marshall City Council. 1998, Marshall grad. Yep, that's right. And then you went to FSU, Florida yep, State, Florida to State. study uh, theater. Theater. Yep, and with kind of a unofficial minor in playwriting, so I did study playwriting and screenwriting down there too. And then you get out of school. Yep. And you decide to go to Hollywood. Yeah. Is that accurate? Hollywood? That, yep, that's right. I mean, I knew that I wanted to do acting. Kind of the plan all along was to do acting until I reached around 25 or so and then transition into writing books. I knew I wanted to write books, but I felt like I didn't have enough life experience to embark on that yet, which was probably accurate. Um, and so that, that was the plan, and that's pretty much how it went. Had you written in college? Had you written any other than what was required of you to graduate. Yeah, sure. I mean, my freshman year of college, I was pretty much consumed with writing this screenplay, uh, which I, I would not even crack it open to read it now. I, I would be terrified to see how bad it is. But I was very, I was very convinced at the time it was going to be an Oscar-winning, uh, you know, a screenplay. And so, yeah, no. And while everybody else was out partying, you know, drinking beers on the Florida State campus, I was like, ensconced in my room like working on this screenplay so <laughs> so you go out to LA and you team up and I can't remember her name this woman Charlene Keel for the yeah okay mm -hmm. how did you meet her you put an ad so yeah the way I met her so this is for my one of my my first set of published books I put an ad on Craigslist saying young author seeks mentor I had kind of been around the block already with a um, book that I wrote and then I wrote a screenplay version of it I had an agent who was a former or a manager at the time who was a former executive at William Morris who shopped it around it was very close to going somewhere. It got in the hands of some really powerful people, but then the writer's strike hit, so all that crashed. Um, and so I was at the point of, of going, okay, to, to get my next book going, I, I need some, um, some, some connection, some in, basically, because it's very hard. You know, the, the prescribed way to get a book published is you send letters to literary agents and you can send hundreds of letters and they take months to get back to you and it's terrible. So I was like, okay, I need some, networking, right? So I put this ad out. This woman named Charlene Keel responds. She's a very interesting person. She was on the Johnny Carson show back in the day because she wrote a, a book about being an airline stewardess and sort of the, the torrid, uh, lewd, naughty things that, that she did or, or, or her character did as a, as a stewardess. So um, it, was, it made ripples uh, back when it came out, that book. And she was subsequently uh, had an interesting career. She was a editor of Playgirl magazine. She wrote, she was a, I think Days of Our Lives. She was a head writer of Days of Our Lives for a while. She wrote a book that was 
became a daytime like soap opera that she was a head writer of for a while. So she had done some interesting stuff, but she was also savvy enough to see how frankly sexist and ageist Hollywood was, especially at that time. So she was like, I need to team up with a, you know, young male, cool guy, you know, and I was like, I need somebody with some experience and connections. So, um, it became a good partnership and we both came together and, and, and fleshed out some ideas to pitch as TV series. And one of my ideas was a, like a teen drama show with Kung Fu. And, uh, and she liked that idea too. We pitched these ideas for a little, or actually we never got around really to pitching them. I think she gave them to an agent she had, but then she moved to Florida and I figured that was done. But I got a call from her like a year or two later saying that she had made this connection with HCI Books, which is the publishers of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And they wanted a teen book series. And would it be okay if she pitched the tracks, which was my teen Kung Fu series as a book that we would co-author. Uh, and I thinking it was, Certainly not going to happen. <laughs> I just thought, sure, why not? Um, and, it, and in fact, it, it did happen. And so I was in the very odd and unusual place of having a book deal before having written the book, which is very unusual for a first-time author. I'd written a couple other books that had not yet been published. But um, so, yeah, so that was unusual. And then once I got the deal for that book, wrote the first book along with Charlene and uh, the publishers really loved it. Then I was able to pitch like, hey, I got this other book and I have another book. Um, and they were loving me at that time. So they were like, yeah, great. We love these books. We're going to publish these two. Um, and so all in all, I ended up publishing five books through that, um, that publisher. And that was the beginning of my writing career. So when the deal happens and now you have to write a book, what's going through your mind? Well, it, you know, I was just, it was just like singular focus for me. I was like, I, I got to write this book. I gotta, have to make it amazing. You know, um, this was sort of my, my shot. You know, I knew at that point how difficult it, it is to uh, come by those opportunities. So I was determined to make it the best that I could. Um, I was going through a lot of weird, crazy transitions at that time. I had moved from, uh, Los Angeles to Canada to be with the girl I was dating at the time. And I was essentially an illegal immigrant living in Canada when I got this book deal. So I was not able to legally work in Canada. <laughs> so I was very poor and I was like working in an under the table uh, construction job by day, eight, nine, 10 hours of construction. And then by night sitting down and, and writing like a demon trying to get this book done. Where in Canada? In Mississauga outside Toronto. Okay. So yeah. you came back east, yeah. and then you're writing at night. You went to school. You had some background. So did you have the idea for this book for a long time? Or, I mean, you had this series with the Kung Fu. Um, yeah. So you must have had an idea. But how do you develop the characters? What's the process? Yeah, that was something that really had to be fleshed out, especially because I was working with a co-author at the time. So um, I... You know, and again, all we had was a TV show treatment, so it was really pretty lean what we had. We had to flesh it out quite a lot, and um, this is the time like Twilight was was big, and so they were like, also they wanted the book to be long. They're like, it has to be big and thick like Twilight. I don't know why they felt that way, but it had to be thick. So it was like, so this we, is around the mid two thousands or yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to really, you know, flesh out, you know, flesh out that that book quite a lot. Actually, it was about two thousand nine or okay. so. Yeah. Like that, 2000s. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
anyway, so yeah, it was a lot of work to really, first of all, come up with an outline that Charlene and I agreed on. Um, and it's just very hard having two cooks in the kitchen. I was, I had already written a few novels and screenplays and stuff myself. So when you do it yourself, you're the God of your own world, which is fun. And then all of a sudden it's like, now there's a co-God who's like, well, what about this? Or like, you know, you, you did this, but I want to add this in or whatever. And so it, it was challenging. I mean, it was challenging to, to co-write with somebody, but I, you know, I was proud of what we came up with and, um, you know, people seemed to like the books. So, so you're going to write a book. So what's the first thing you do? Well, right now, my process, I mean, first it comes, starts with an idea, you know, and whatever that is, whatever that seed is for that particular book, it can be just, uh, um, you, you know, a, a concept, it could be a world, it could be a magic system, it could be whatever, whatever it is, depending on the genre that you're working in, whatever that hook is that gets you excited. And then for me, it will take you know, at this point, years for the idea to germinate, usually because I'm working on other things. So it just sort of marinates in the back of your mind and becomes richer, sort of gathers up details, um, or just sits there and your subconscious works on it. But then eventually it will bubble to the surface as like the next thing that you need to work on. And then for me, the next step of that process would be to do an outline. I have uh, proceeded in my career to move from more of a, what they call a pantser, writing by the seat of your pants, to more of an outliner. Um, because in and amongst all my other writing, I did work as a ghostwriter for a while. And I had the experience of writing my own stuff and it, and it being so hard to write my own stuff. And the meanwhile, at the same time, I'm working on a, a ghostwritten book and cruising along on it. And I'm like, why is it so much easier to write this other book that I'm not even passionate about? And I'm having, it's like grinding the gears to write my own book. And what I realized was it was really about the outline because for the ghost writing process that the, the company I was working with used, you had to come up with a really super detailed outline. Um, and so it was really easy to write those books because you simply, you know, what's the next thing in the outline? Okay, I write that scene. Very easy when you sit down to write. Um, whereas if you don't have that, you're sitting down and you're like, uh, what am I going to write? You know, and, and, and you have to, you know, it takes that extra mental energy to come up with it. So it's, it's hard to come up with a good outline at the beginning because it's so abstract for me. It's like really like ice cream headache trying to like come up with it mm -hmm. in the abstract. But once you have it, it really saves you because writer's block is a little bit out the window. You might have a lot of writer's doubt or writer's concern or whatever, but you know what to write next. It's in the outline, you know, and even if you're like, I don't know if that's really the best thing to, to write next, you, you, it's there, you can write it and then you can always change it later. So the outline is very helpful. You know, I always found with musicians, you know, people who write music, I always think, how do they do that? Because I can't think of an original melody to save my life. And it's the same thing with writing. Yeah. It's like you sit there and say, okay, what am I going to write about? And I think I once years ago in my twenties, I said, I'm going to try and write something. And I just kind of found myself at a dead end because I kind of, I didn't do an outline. I just started doing the seat sure. of my pants. And after maybe 15 pages worth, it was like, okay, how is this going to end? Do you have the ending in mind? I usually do. It's, it's unusual for me not to have an ending in mind. Um, the one, the book I'm working on right now, which is book three of my luck God series. I don't root I don't really, it's, it's a little bit in flux what that ending is, is going to be. Um, but I do have ideas about the ending of the whole series. So, but, but yeah, generally I, I have a, a, a pretty good idea and, and, you know, usually a good ending is sort of baked into the beginning of, of something. Um, and so 
it, it could go a number of different ways, but but usually there there is for me a sense of what the ending should be, or at least what I'm moving towards. Or if nothing else, as you get close to it, the inevitability of what needs to happen will occur to you, and you can create it. To so. be a good writer, do you have to be a good reader? Did you read a lot? Yeah, I did. I definitely read growing up. Uh, as a kid, my mom was a voracious reader, always reading, and I got passionate about it. I read in, in third grade, I read The Hobbit, and it was pretty much off to the races after that. I, I was really into it. And I also self-identified as a reader. You know, I was a young person reading Hemingway and stuff like that because I, I felt like I was going to be a writer. I, I was interested in reading, and I enjoy, I've always enjoyed just language, you know, beautiful, interesting, evocative language. Um, so yeah, pretty much all along. I, I, I do think it's unavoidable. Um, you know, that, that, that if you want to be a writer, you, you do have to read as much as possible and even more, <laughs> you kind of need to push yourself to read sure. more and read more in your genre. So for example, I love reading all different types of stuff. I mean, I love reading, especially literary fiction, but right now I'm writing urban fantasy. So I really need to push myself to write urban fantasy and it's interesting because you know some urban fantasy is great sometimes i will pick one up like oh i should really read this it's you know ranking highly in that genre or whatever and i'm like i don't really you know not really connecting to it it's not great or whatever um so sometimes you have to either push through or say i'm gonna read something else but it is important to read in your genre what is urban fantasy compared to the other genres yeah, that are similar, right? Right. Yeah. It, it's really. Um, it, it could also be called contemporary fantasy. It's a bit of a misnomer, and and there's some debate about it because it doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, technically, if it's urban fantasy, it should take place in an, a big city, but that's not really how the term is understood or used. It's really just any fantasy that takes place in contemporary times or with modern technology, things like that. So it could be in our world, like my luck gods series takes place in modern day Detroit. That is like the real Detroit. Um, but other, other times you have series uh, like, uh, Sarah J Moss's Crescent city that are, would be considered urban fantasy, but it's an alternate, it's a modern world, but an alternate modern world. Do you write about what you know? I mean, how much of your past experiences are involved in the characters or the setting. Obviously, Detroit, you know Michigan better than if it was Kansas. So sure. that's why it's in Detroit. Right. So there are some things that are, you know, I try to bake in some things that I know to set myself up for success. Like, for example, a setting, I probably wouldn't set something in a city I'd never been to. Just, I mean, once in a while, there are scenes that take place in some place I've never been. It entails research, which I'm too lazy to enjoy. So (laughs) I prefer not to do too much of that, but, um, yeah, I think it's a little, it's, it's a little bit the opposite for me. I don't write because again, it goes back to when I was a kid, right? Where fantasy worlds were much more interesting than my reality as a kid growing up in Michigan in the eighties, just for me. So I, I was about escape and imagining something more interesting to me. So I don't necessarily write about what my day-to-day life is, but every character is animated by my intellectual energy, by my spirit, by my, my, you know, animus, my, my life energy is what breathes life into them. And, and essentially my subconscious too, right? Cause as you're writing, you know, sometimes things just come out and it's that mysterious alchemy that makes it magical, you know? And so, 
every every character is me. You know, I, I'm writing what I know in the sense that I am every character. Every character is brought to life through some facet of who I am. Um, so yeah, there's, there's your long-winded answer. So you pick a character, and then you come up with a new character, and then you write his whole backstory out in an outline or in your head, because some of you know the details are pretty impressive. Because uh, they really yeah. it has to have a lot of interesting background on each character. That must take it take time. Yeah, you know there are different approaches to that, and some people do write. You know, some people will have reams of notebooks of you know, all the character backstories and, and stuff for their characters. I don't usually work that way. Um, I will usually have uh, maybe a couple sentences about each character um, or just some ideas about a character. And because I like, I like to learn, I like to be surprised about my, my characters. And sometimes the most interesting stuff is just something that is not premeditated at all. It just comes out in the writing of it. And it's almost like I'm learning about it at the same time the reader does. And I think what that does, being that it comes from your subconscious, it gives, it, it gives actually a greater sense of reality in a way, um, because in, in reality, as you're meeting people and learning about them, you, you learn things that are surprising. People are not always like a linear construct of a character. There's stuff that's like a non sequitur, you know, um, you know, the, 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 the gentlest, most soft-spoken person and you find out they're in the military or something. You're like that really, they were okay. That's interesting. So, um, and, and then, you know, you figure out, oh, well, that maybe that's actually why, why they are so gentle now because their experience or whatever, you know what I mean? So, um, I, I construct characters, you know, in all of my writing, the, the, the subconscious plays an important part in that sense of spontaneity and freedom. But then, of course, you do have to be consistent, right? If you've discovered something about a character, then you do have to, like, rationally examine, does it make sense? Does it really right. fit for the character? Um, and, and then be consistent about it if it does. Years ago, I interviewed Jeff Daniels when he was performing here in Marshall at the high school. And I asked him a question about his movies. Does he ever watch his movies? And he said no, because yeah. he knows how the movies are made and it's not the same experience. Do you read your books? Uh, you know, I, I don't always like to. Oftentimes, once the book is out, I'm usually afraid to go back to it. You know, the, the fear is that it's bad, <laughs> right? The, the fear is you don't want to read it because it's bad. But then usually once, you, once I do get into it, I'm usually pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, actually, this is pretty good. This is cool. I like this. Uh, but lately, I've been enjoying reading some of my books to my kids. So they're eight years old now. They're big enough that I can read to them and they can understand and enjoy it. Um, so that's been really fun to experience it through their eyes and then and to have a chapter end and they go, no, come on, keep reading. I want to know what happens next. Um, so that has been really fun. And, um, and it does help me reflect in a different way on, on the books. So I'm sure I'll be continuing to read my other books with them. And So when you yeah. go back and say, read some of your earlier books, do you think to yourself, I wrote this, I can't remember writing this or I, does that happen? Yeah. Oh, there's definitely, I mean, there's things that you remember and there's things, little details or things like that. They're like, Hmm, yeah, I did, did not remember that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, and then there's things that you're like, wow, that, that was great. That was really nice. And there's things you're like, boy, if I were typing now, I would type it differently. I'd, I'd write it a little different. So, you know, it, it's a weird experience going back and reading your own stuff, but. Lamplighters is your most recent book. Yes. Your first book was the 
uh, the, it was Dark Territory, okay. which is the first book of the tracks, okay. which is that urban fantasy okay. uh, YA series. So when you look at your writing then compared to today, do you, you see a difference? Do you notice a difference in style or storytelling? Or? Yeah, I think, um, you know, or, or a better comparison is maybe because because Dark Territory was the, the one that I co-authored. So if I look at The Sleepwalkers, which was one that I just, I wrote myself, um, it, it's interesting, you know, I think I was very ambitious when I was younger, you know, and I, I mean, I'm still ambitious in terms of my writing and what I want to achieve, but I think I'm not trying as hard in terms of the language. I guess what I've learned is for readers, the story is paramount and I still enjoy beautiful language and I still love to have those, you know, a, a few, you know, sparkling metaphors in there or, or, or just a beautiful sentence. Those are st still important to me, but, um, the most important thing is the story. And that's really what readers care about. And readers will read and love and enjoy a pretty crappily written book if it is a story that, that is engaging to them and characters that they love. So my writing is never going to be crappy. It's just not the way I'm wired or the way I work. I care about language too much. But, um, but I have put an increasing emphasis on story and um, you know, just, just making sure that, it, that, that people are going to connect with the story. I think my, like the sleepwalkers is a little less accessible, you know, because I do, there are some books that I, that I enjoy like, um, house of leaves. I don't know if you've ever read that one, but it's like deliberately obtuse, you know, and like, good luck reading this book, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think I had a little bit of that, like literary chip on my shoulder at the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you might not like this book. It might be, you know, it, it might not be, it might not be enjoyable. It might be, you know, challenging at moments or it might, you know, you might not like the ending. Whereas now I've come around more to like, it's okay to want people to like my books, you know, and to hope that they love them and enjoy them at the end. So anyways, it, it's been an evolution. Are people reading more compared to say 15, 20 years ago before there were tablets? People were saying tablets are going to be the end of books or whatever, but is that the case? Are you finding that more people are reading? You know, from what I can see, I, I think probably people are reading more. I think a lot of people, one of the things is you have a book on your phone. I mean, I read on my phone. I'm putting my kids to bed. I'm reading a book on my phone. And I think especially during the pandemic, people were, a lot of people rediscovered reading because they were just at home and they picked up their Kindle. They picked up their phone, downloaded the app or whatever. And so there was really a resurgence of that. A, a lot of it that I see, especially on TikTok and BookTok, where I'm very active, is um, the more spicy reads, you know, the, the romance stuff that's very spicy. That that has gotten super popular, very, very popular. Um, that's probably the segment that has grown the most, I would say. But uh, overall, yeah, I mean, there are there are a lot of people reading on all different devices and audiobooks has, has been huge, right. a real explosion in that. Um, my most recent books are available in audiobook. The Lamplighters is being recorded right now in audiobook. So um, I think that's a great medium. I, I've enjoyed putting those out. And as an actor, former actor, right, I, I think it's so cool to hear them performed. How do you find the people to do the audiobook? There's a platform called ACX, and there's another one called Findaway Voices. Um, Findaway Voices is independent. Actually, it's just bought by Spotify, and ACX is owned by Amazon. But these are marketplaces where you can upload a 
uh, excerpt from your book and producers, independent producers can audition to narrate your, your book. And that's and how you found it. someone yeah, for this one. That's how they I auditioned found. and then you liked it. And yeah. And my most recent one, I got almost 50 auditions. So I had quite a lot of, um, talented people to choose from. And the, um, yeah, the, the guy who's doing it is phenomenal. So I'm very excited. Would you ever do one of your books? Have you done one of your books? I've thought about it. I mean, it, it's, and in, in, in fact, the Lamplighters was one that I thought very hard about doing it, but just my schedule is so crazy right now. I can barely shoehorn in time for the writing that to, to do that, it, it, you know, you're learning a whole other discipline. There's equipment you have to buy, then you have to edit it. It really is a time intensive thing. So I just, you know, if somebody else will do it, I'll, I'll let them for do example, it. the Lamplighters, how long of an audio book is that? How many hours? I think it's going to end up about nine or 10 hours. So, and, and it's, it's. So nine or 10 hours edited is probably 15 to 20, you know, 15 hours of the person actually reading it and then going back and listening. That, yeah. That's a big job. Even, even more from what I've heard, yeah. you know, cause, well, cause also, first of all, they read the book. So there's that time added in there and then, yeah, all the editing, all the, you know, going back and fixing the little spots, punching in little spots. So yeah, it's, it's, it is very, uh, time intensive. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book of your, or the favorite, do you think, okay, these are the top two that I really enjoyed writing, I suppose that you had the most fun with. Yeah. Um, I'm very proud of girl of hearts, which is book one of my luck gods series. Um, I I'm really proud of the character, main character. Her name is Aggie. She is a teenage I don't want to say genius, but she's a very, very intelligent um, teenager. She would consider herself a teen scientist, a uh, proud nerd and feminist, and she has OCD um, that she's dealing with as well. So she's just an interesting character. People really seem to love her. And I, I love the magic system in that book. It's based on the four card suits. So there's two suits, the hearts and diamonds that deal with have dominion over good luck. And then there's the, the black suits of the spades and clubs that have the power over bad luck. And so the whole magic system is, is basically the ability to kind of tweak something in, in your favor or, or against your, your favor. Um, and so it, I think it's unique. It's interesting. People seem to be really enjoying it. And I think it does for me, tick all the boxes in terms of it's a lot of fun. It's a great adventure, but I think there is some, you know, some, some language in there that, that I'm proud of and that, um, and just a story that, that people connect with. So, yeah. Do you still get or ever get an epiphany? Like you're sitting there, you're lying in bed and you think, Oh my God, what an idea. And then you write it down. Do you have like a, a notepad nearby to write down the idea? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm kind of of, of the belief that if it's a good enough idea, it will stick. So I don't necessarily like okay. have a notepad on me at all times, but, um, and it, it, like my life is just so stuffed full of busyness lately that those little epiphanies don't come as much as, you know, when I was in college or something, just laying in the grass in the park after a workout or something, I'm like literally jogging from one thing to the next these days. Um, but there are moments, in fact, I, I just had an idea for a, another book that I I, I think it's, I'm like super excited about, but now it's like, I still have another, at least one more book of the luck God series to finish before I could even get into that. So, um, but that's good. That's part of the process. Again, it will sit in the back of my mind and I will hopefully, um, have, have lots of good texture to that idea by the time I finally get to it. How long does it take to write a book? 
it, it, I mean, it varies a lot by, by person. There are people right. now who are cranking out 20 books a year. Um, and that's actually the optimal way to do it because it turns out readers don't love to wait a ton of time. Readers love to, uh, read book one and jump right into book two. Um, but for me, uh, I'm doing pretty good if I, if I write a book every six months, uh, just again, because I'm so busy, you know, but say I, you do it every six months, what's that require of you in terms of hours per week, per day, per month? I mean, it, you have to do it every day when you're, when you finally get around, I'm doing the book, I'm in the middle of a book. Is it a daily job? Yeah. I mean, the ideal is to do it every day or at a minimum five days a week. So I try really hard to write five days a week because if you don't, then you can start to drift away from the story. I think a lot of times when people talk about writer's block, it's actually just that it's like they were working, then they went away. They didn't come back to it for two weeks and it can be very disorienting to try to get back into a story if you've been away from it. In fact, even for me day to day, I'm a little disoriented going back into a story because just because there's so much else going on in my life that I haven't been sitting there like pondering it, you know, like I would have in other, other times in my life. But the outline has saved me because with book two of the Luck God series, Mother of Spades, I really felt that way. I was like, I wrote the first draft and I was like, I have no idea what this is. You know, like this might be hot garbage. I really don't know. But then I, I went back and reread it and I was like, wow, like I actually did write a book. I, I had no like Ken that I had actually succeeded in doing it, but I was like, Hey, you know, it, it's good. And actually people like, it's, a lot of people have said that they enjoy, um, that book two mother of spades even more than the first book. So I'm like, okay, I guess I did it. So hopefully that's what's happening now with book three. <laughs> that is, I sleepwalk through writing that one. <laughs> Any more, um, opportunities or in your mind that you still have hopes or goals of doing screenplays? Um, or is it uh, involved with the books becoming something more than just a book? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have ambitions to do, um, you know, to sell a screenplay to Hollywood right now or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see some of these books adapted into films or TV shows. I think that would lend themselves to it very well. So maybe at some point in time, uh, somebody will discover them and that will happen. And if I got the opportunity to write a screenplay or a, um, or a you know, TV pilot or something, yeah, I, I would be very happy to, to do that. But it's, it's not something that I'm out there actively pursuing. I mean, these books, I can write them. I can get them in the hands of readers that's extremely satisfying. I'm kind of past the point in my life and career of like begging a gatekeeper to like, you know, take a chance on me. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, why would I do that? I can write right. something. I can put it in front of people. They can enjoy it. We can talk about it. We can interact. You know, I, 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 that, that's, that's what I'm interested in. What would you tell someone who's thinking about writing a book? How should they go about it? And is there, is it, are you ever too old to attempt it? Yeah, no, I think definitely you're ne you're never too old to to do something like that, um, and you know j just do it. The hardest part is is putting your butt in the seat. But I would certainly advise somebody number one, do the outline, just bite the bullet, make the outline. It, it will help you a lot. And then after that, sit down every day, even if it's just for half an hour, you know, just make yourself sit down in the chair, be in the world of the story, write whatever you can write in whatever time you have half hour, hour, whatever. Um, but just do it every day because that's what keeps your mind in the world of the story. And also give yourself some latitude on the first draft. I think earlier beginner writers or whatever, they'll be working on the first draft and, and, and have a moment where they go, Oh, this sucks. I'm, I'm a bad writer. I give up or whatever. And it, 
it's okay. Like write the first draft. It does not matter. It literally does not matter a lick what that first draft is like, because you have the superpower of revision. I mean, it really is a superpower. Imagine in life, how many times you've looked back and looked at a situation and been like, Oh man, I would have, I should have said this. It would have been so cool. Or I should have done that differently. That is the power you have as a writer. You write the first draft, however you want and give yourself the freedom. And then you can go back and make it make it perfect, make it the best it can be, make it however you want it. But it's important also to give yourself that freedom in the first draft, because as I was talking about, that's where the subconscious comes in. And that's where all the good stuff is. Like that's the the gravy is all that stuff that was not in the outline, but just like bubbled out of your subconscious at the moment. Like that, that'll be the stuff that readers will talk about, that they'll laugh about. That'll be the the nuances of character that are are so interesting or that, that surprise you or that move you most often will be the thing that was not premeditated that just came out. And that all comes from just, you know, having a reckless first draft and having fun with it. Right. You just never know where it's going to go. Yeah. Everyone can find your books on Amazon and where else can they go? Yeah. So if somebody is local to the Marshall area, they're available at new story books here in town. They've been very uh, awesome and supportive to have those in stock. They can be ordered from Barnes and Noble, uh, or they can, they're available in paperback anywhere online. Um, and they're available by ebook, uh, through Amazon and audiobook through audible. Great. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It's really interesting to learn about the process because it's not easy. No. And you make it you make it easy, right? You make it look easy. How's that? Well, I, I have fun with it. That's that's the thing. Right. Yeah. All yeah. right, great. Thank Thanks. You. Thanks so much. Thank you.